0: America, and Irwindale Speedway on Fan for Racing Radio. So joining me shortly will be our co-host, Sal Sigala. Until he gets here, I'll kind of give you the rundown for tonight. We're going to start with a review of the ARCA West Series at Irwindale Speedway. Jesse Love back in victory lane. I don't think anybody was more surprised than he was uh, for that to happen uh, because Gene Thompson has quite a run, and we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Then we're going to offer a few updates from the Arca Menard Series and the Arca East Series. They did not race this weekend, uh, but we'll be back into action uh, this weekend, and we'll talk more about that. Uh, at the top of the hour, 9 o'clock Eastern, we'll get into the NASCAR Truck Series updates. Again, they did not race this weekend, but we'll update everybody because they will be back on track uh, this Friday night. Uh, then we're going to review the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Road America and the NASCAR Cup Series at Road America. Uh, starting at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we will have our Hot Topic Sound Off with our fan Racing crew, and uh, I'm sure we'll have a few things to talk about there. So joining me now is our co-host, Sal Sigala. Welcome to the show, Sal.
1: Oh, thank you, Sharon.
0: Okay. Uh, Let's go ahead and get into uh, our update for tonight, which is a review of the ARCA West Series at Irwindale Speedway. Did you get a chance to get to the race this weekend, Sal?
2: Yes. Yeah,
1: I was out there.
0: Okay, Uh, I I know Dean Thompson dominated for most of that race, uh, but Jesse Love was able to pull it off at the end. Yeah, it
1: was. It was. I I felt really bad for Dean. I talked to him afterwards, and I talked to him during the week. But yeah, he was just he was just super bummed, you know, what at the outcome of the race. But um, you know it's. He had he had to realize you know that that's racing you know, but it was it was yeah, a tough it was lesson of, it was a tough lesson to learn
0: it is part of what racing what happens in racing that's for sure okay um okay, I'm sorry, I'm dealing with my dog here. I might have to put her in the crate okay um but uh Dean Thompson did get some multiple special awards. Uh, from the race the other night, which is, uh, pretty cool. Uh, he, he won the general tire pole qualifying and he also won the Richmond Water Heaters Halfway Leader Award, the Bounty Rookie of the Race. Uh, and, uh, uh, we'll have to see now is right now he's a close second to Cole Moore in the Bounty Rookie of the Year, uh, event. So. Thompson also won the uh, Valvoline Lap Leader, and uh, Love, uh, his winning pack, uh, won the Reese's Sweet Move of the Race. So uh, that was quite a few uh, things there, though, that uh, maybe a consolation prize for Dean Thompson.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, like you said, it was a... Um... It was a, it was a tough pill for Dean to swallow. Um, you know, Jesse loved, you know, as we see them last year against Trevor Huddleston, you know, you know, kind of, kind of did the same move on, on Trevor, you know, to win the race and, um, you know, but mm-hmm. either way it was, uh, you know, um, Jesse just hung in there, you know what, and when the time was right on that restart, you know, he, he got, he put himself in the position to win and, um, you know what, and uh there was nothing really Dean tried and tried but it was already it was already too late. It was Dean Dean, Dean didn't have a uh a um, Dean had a long run car, not a short run car. So I mean given the fact that if he had had a few more laps he probably would have caught him. But with uh with the only four or five laps that were left on the restart it was it was kinda hard to You know, first of all he he let Jesse get by him which he you know, he could have held him back but he didn't, you know, and um, and it was just, that's just the nature of the
0: beast. Yes, yeah, I hear you. Okay, let's go over the results. Jesse Love and Dean Thompson, of course, finished first and second. Then it was Joey East. Well, actually, three rookies next. Joey East in third, Jake Drew in fourth, and Cole Moore round out the top five. Uh, from six to ten, it was Trevor Huddleston, Todd Souza, Johnny Bornham in the third Nick Joanides uh and Bobby Hillis Jr. So there you have your top 10.
1: Yeah, it was uh I mean there, there was a lot of there's a lot of good racing going on. I was surprised, you know, but um you know when 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 you go back and look at, at all the regulars that were there, you know, it was just it was uh I don't
2: know. I just no. – well, I watched is
0: really it. The first race. This is really the first race, Val, that the, it's been mainly the regulars. You don't have – like a Chase Briscoe, who once has won a race so far this year, and uh, I forget who the other one was. But uh, there's been – you know, this is really the first chance that they've had to kind of be a true West race.
1: Yeah, that's true because the, the other two races were um, the first one was Phoenix and then the second one was Sonoma and then now we had Urindale, and then they have uh, Colorado coming up and then after Colorado then they then they then they go back to Urindale, so hopefully it'll just be the um, well I, I it's not hopefully but basically we're just going to see all the, the West Series regulars until the end of the season when they get to uh, mm-hmm. Phoenix again
0: so. I'm sure jesse uh, was relieved <laughs> to get the win. Uh, I know there's a photo of him over at Arthur racing uh where he's just really relieved to finally get that win uh in the third race of the year for them.
1: yeah, it was uh like I said, you know what it was a talking with the drivers, finding it in chance to you know talk to drivers and you know that that little stretch they waited between the um that they waited between the um uh Phoenix to uh Sonoma was a you know it was kind of a like you said, it was a long, long stretch.
0: Yes. Yes it was. Okay, Sal, I'm gonna go put my puppy in the crate because she's being the honorary right now. <laughs> So while I'm doing that, why don't you go ahead and cover the uh, top ten in the series point standings?
1: Okay. And um so in the point standings after after three events, uh you got Dean Thompson and Todd Sousa actually are are both tied for for um for uh first place. Uh then then we go we drop down to third it would be Cole Moore. Uh, fourth is Jesse Love, and right off the top five is Jake Drew. Um, out of all five of those drivers, only one driver has a win, and that would be Jesse Love. And then from there, then we go down to sixth place it would be Trevor Huddleston. Seventh is Paul Petroselli Jr. Eighth is Joey East. Ninth is Bridget Fergus. And the top 10 is uh, Bobby Hills, Jr. And we're just going to go and take the top 11 since we have 11 regular drivers in the series with, um, with, uh, who was, uh, who got in a uh, wreck with, um, with, uh, Amber, um, uh, Balkian who's only here just for this one off race. So, um, so far, from Phoenix to Sonoma to to now Orlando, we finally have what we what we what we can actually say is a true um, a true uh, right. um, west West race standings for, for 2021 going into the next you know few races. So it's it's good to see you know every you know see it all get shaken out.
0: Yes, yes, I agree. It was really good to see it get it all shook out. Uh, it looks like Bridget Burgess uh, uh, was able to come home with a top ten finish too. Um, she's tenth now in the series point standings. I mean, so that's pretty good for her.
1: Yeah, actually, she's based nice in the in the. Uh, oh, Ninth, nice.
0: yeah, she's nice.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's nice, Yeah, because Bobby Hill, Bobby Hillis Jr. is the tenth, and um, Takuma Koga had a record on. Eleventh in the point standing, and actually Takuma changed teams this year. He's not with Joe Nava anymore. He's with um, he's racing for Jerry Pitts in the uh, number All seven right. car this year.
0: Okay, so that's pretty cool too uh, to see. Yeah, Corey Heim won the other race that I was trying to think of earlier. Uh, so it was Corey Heim and Chase Briscoe that won earlier, uh, and Ty Gibbs. No, uh, it's Ty Gibbs. No, No,
1: Corey Hyde hasn't won. You're right. Yeah,
0: Corey Hyde won in the East. Yeah. Corey Hyde won the East. I know. I got
2: you. (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. So, um, Ty Gibbs is the other one who won the race uh, in the first two uh, races that have taken place. So.
2: Yeah, he won at uh, Phoenix.
0: He won at Phoenix, the, the season opener. So. Now, I wanted to see the rewind, because in the rewind, they kind of give a rundown of exactly what happened throughout the race. Um, If you watch the races, you kind of would expect that Jesse Love would be the driver to win uh, at Irwindale, because he's raced there before. He's last year's series champion. But Dean Thompson really had a strong run. Uh, So to see Jesse win it at the end uh, was a little bit of a stunner for a lot of people, right?
1: Yeah, it was. But you know what? Like I said, on the last restart, um, you know, they they both were side by side. But then Jesse had a little bit better. He had a little bit better restart than, than Dean. And then he kind of took the position from Dean. You know, the Dean was having to play catch up, but I mean, if, given the fact that there'd have been another three, four, five laps, there's a chance mm-hmm. that Dean probably would have caught him, you know, and been able to go around him. But, um, you know, it was, uh, it was like a, it was a, I think it was four or five laps left by the time they went, by the time they went green again for for mm-hmm. the last, um, for the for the end of the race. It was 150 lap or they went 75 laps and took a break. It was supposed to be a 10-minute break. They only took a five-minute break, enough to change tires and put fuel in the car. And uh, actually, only right sides they were allowed to change, just the right sides, not the left. Not exactly.
0: The exactly. Now, if folks want to um, – if you want to watch this race, I think it's Thursday night, isn't it, that this race is going to be uh, uh, on – on uh, M- M- NBC Sports Network.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what time, but but I know I know it's going to be. It's, it's actually it's going to air tomorrow on on um, NS and NBCSN or or N S I yes. don't know. NBC Sports Network.
2: N-
0: N- N-
1: yeah, NBCSN is what it's going. It's what it's going to air on um, tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, and let me give you the time of that real quick so that if folks want to watch this race, they can. Uh, And you'll see just how strong uh, Dean Thompson was in that race. It's the Napa Auto Parts 150 presented by the West Coast Stockpile Racing Hall of Fame, and it will air on NBC Sports Network. It says Thursday here on July 8th starting at 4 p.m. Eastern. So, Sal seems to think it's going to be on Wednesday. So what I would really encourage everybody to do is check your local listings to make sure that you have the correct date and time.
1: Is it tomorrow? I thought tomorrow was Thursday.
0: Today's Tuesday, Sal.
1: Wow, you know what? Every every time we catch these holidays, I always get thrown off a day or two. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry, it's in two days. I, I, I kept thinking tomorrow was Tomorrow was um, Thursday.
0: No. I tomorrow, guess I was trying to tomorrow shorten tomorrow. my work week
1: <laughs> by another day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad, you glad had, we got that. If we're going to have a four-day now. week, why,
1: yeah, why not have a three-day week? But
0: <laughs> That works I guess for it's me. It's not going to
1: work that way. <laughs> oh, it works for me, too.
0: Uh, now, the next time that the Arkham and Art Series West will be returning back to action is July 31st. It's going to be another 150-lap race, and this time it's going to be at Colorado National Speedway in DeCono, Colorado. Did I say that right no?
1: Yeah, that's 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 close enough.
0: Okay. And then the series goes back to Irwindale for uh, a, another event on the Half Mile Oval. That race will be on August the 21st. Both events are going to be on NBC's First track, so uh, make sure you mark your calendars for that, uh, because again these guys will be racing pretty much uh, as part of the West Series uh, with not a lot of other people kind of involved with it uh, from the Truck Series or Cup or or any other series, so uh, uh, it's really a good chance for people to tune in and see uh, these guys in action, and I think it's going to be another showdown between Dean Thompson and Jesse Love, so we we'll have to wait and see. Uh, what happens when these guys get back to the track?
1: Oh yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a, a good race. I mean, I'm sure Dean's gonna be working on a few things. Plus, Dean has a race coming up in two weeks here at here at Irwindale with, with the Southwest Tour. So he'll have he'll have another another two actually another two starts because the um. Rodell's racing back this Saturday and he'll be racing his late bottle, and then um and then he'll be doing the uh, tour race in two weeks, so he'll have he'll be getting more um he'll be getting some more uh, seat time.
0: Okay, well that sounds good. We know Jesse Love has uh quite a bit of seat time there too. Uh although he's a little bit further north in California. Uh, But let's go ahead and talk about these uh, next races that are coming up. Uh, The next race for the Arkham Menards Series is actually going to be July 10th, and that's actually including uh, the Sioux Chief Showdown at Elko Speedway. Jay and I will be previewing that race, uh, the Menards 250, this Thursday night. Uh, But mark your calendars because it's going to be televised on MAV-TV, so folks who have MAV-TV will be able to watch this one live, um, and uh, that race is going to be uh, Saturday, July the 10th, uh, and it's a doubleheader in a in the lot of senses, in one sense, in that it's really two, two different championships that a lot of these drivers are going to be uh, racing for, so uh, it should be pretty interesting to watch.
1: Oh, yes, it's going to be – should be some good racing going on and um, see what happens with the um, – I guess from something I was reading too, but I guess we can get into that in another week about some changes with the uh, with Arkham and series, with the um, – I don't know if it's with the West and the East or – I know um, uh, Matt Weaver posted something about it, but I, I didn't get a chance to really get into it and see what it was
0: all about. Oh, okay. I'll have to check that out. Uh, After July the 10th, uh, the Arca East, uh, along with the Arca Menard Series, will be racing at Iowa Speedway on July the 24th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. That's the Shore Lunch 150, and uh, that's going to be a great race as well because in this particular case, you've got two different series that are racing the same race so the thats will lunch one fifty, and that race also will be televised on math t v so uh again, make sure you mark your calendars uh It's always fun when you've got the two different series that are racing together uh on the track All right, uh no comments there, right Phil?
1: Nah, no comment there. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna roll it in and hope that, uh, hope that we're gonna be able to see it. Um, I was trying to see if there was a, uh, usually on the event, on the event schedule, or usually tell us, you know, if we get to, if we're gonna be able to see it, or if they're gonna televise it, or if you're gonna have to watch it on, um, on a, uh, on a pay per view.
0: Oh, which it doesn't. Uh, which it doesn't say. That one's on Map TV.
1: Oh, it is okay. So then, yeah, yeah, I have Map TV, so I'll be able to watch it.
0: Yeah, so you'll be able to watch it. That'll be cool. Uh, and and Iowa Speedway is a pretty racy track. I, the races I've seen there have all been really good. So I really encourage everybody to tune in for that. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun one. Um, Now, just also, just to let everybody know, uh, there's so many great articles that they put up over at ArcaRacing.com. If you want to kind of catch up on who some of these drivers are or what some of the highlights were from the race last week at uh, Owendale, uh, you can catch up with a lot of that right there at ArcaRacing.com. They have a recap there. Uh, They have uh, the highlights. Uh, they showed the Reese's Sweet Moves of Race uh, when Jesse Love was able to make that winning pass. They've got photos uh, from Irving Uh They've got articles about uh, uh, Ty Gibbs and Sammy Smith, they're going to actually be racing as JDR teammates at Iowa Speedway. So that should be interesting because those guys are kind of uh, running pretty tight in that Arkham series. So. Uh, it'll be fun to see what happens with those guys.
1: Yeah, it definitely will. So, uh, you know, it's always, you know, something to, uh, you know, always something to uh, uh, look forward
0: to. Willie Mullins is going to team up with Andy Hillenburg and race at Elko, so that's going to be interesting. Um, speaking of the Arca series, Uh, They always put up last year's for some reason. Uh, Corey Heim is still leading the series points there, but just by three points over uh, Ty Gibbs. So uh, that's going to be, those are the two drivers to really watch in the Arca Menard series. And if you go to the Arca East series, uh, let's talk about who are the guys to watch in that series. I know Sammy Smith is one of them. Uh, Sammy Smith is at the top of the series point standings and the spread is a little bit more but these guys have five races under their belt. Mason Diaz is in second place at 30 points back. So it is interesting that they're going to be racing together as teammates in this Iowa race but they're also going to be racing uh, two different series. So Sammy Smith is leading in the arca East, and uh so that's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out so
1: yeah, it is you know you know especially you know when you get you know drivers you know that are you know that are going from you know from uh you know from one team you know you know to another you know and they're you know rivalry on the track and then you know then next you know then they end up on the same team together,
0: yep. And so it's going to be a showdown out at Iowa Speedway on July the 24th. Again, I really encourage everybody uh, to really mark your calendars for those races. And, uh, again, we'll give you the uh, preview of the Elko races on Thursday night. So uh, we'll see what happens there. All right.
1: uh, Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny, I was looking at the standings, and there's only like four regular drivers in the uh, Arca Arkham Monarch Arkham Series this year.
0: I know, it's really amazing. Uh, that uh, We get drivers coming in from the Truck Series and from the Arca East, I'm sorry, from the uh, Xfinity Series, sometimes they'll race in those races. But really, the, the competition's uh, really between it's just a couple of drivers there, but the points are fairly tight. Yeah. Okay. Also, uh, let's go to the Truck Series. Uh, Their next race is going to be out at Knoxville Raceway. And that's going to happen this weekend. Again, we will be able to give you a preview of that race. But I want to kind of give a few updates here because Taylor Gray, you know, earlier uh, his brother was involved. Tanner Gray was involved, I think, in an accident earlier this year. Well, now Taylor Gray Taylor. is in uh, – it was Taylor before?
1: No, it was – no, Tanner's been racing. Taylor was the one in the accident.
0: Well, he's involved in a street accident. Um I, it's, this is dated July 6th, update after 2. Okay, so this is an update on Taylor Gray. After being sidelined yeah. from competition for 13 weeks, Gray is going to make his second Arkham Minoid Series start of the season Saturday night at Elko Speedway. So his last race uh, with the National Series at Phoenix raceway in March when he finished ninth. Uh, and Saturday will begin a stretch of five straight weeks of racing for the 16-year-old driver. He So he will follow the Arca Menard Series schedule through Watkins Glen, where he intends to do double duty with Arca and the Camping Wheel Truck Series. So we'll be seeing Taylor Gre- Gray back behind the wheel uh, this weekend.
1: Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm sure he's excited to come back. It's uh you know, especially, you know, after the, you know, the accident that he was in, you know, and then being out for as long as he was, you know, to get back behind the wheel of the car, you know, um, you know, then, you know, the car plus, you know, he's also racing in uh, the Caprile Truck Series with, um, with uh, DGR with David Hill racing. So I'm sure David's happy to have him exactly. back, too.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he is. So uh, some double duty. He's going to catch up on his racing now that he's coming back. Also, Morgan Alexander is planning to make a Truck Series debut at Knoxville uh, Raceway this weekend with Nice Motorsports. That's the next race uh, for the Camping World Truck Series. They'll be racing the Corn Belt 150 presented by Premier Chevy Dealers. So uh, we'll be seeing him behind the wheel uh, of a Nice Motorsports truck. Brett Moffat is also going to be piloting a second AM racing truck at Knoxville Raceway this weekend, so uh, look for that to happen. There'll be two AM racing trucks at Knoxville, and then Young's Motorsport Cap Michael Lynette, he's going to be racing at Knoxville Raceway this weekend in the Truck Series race, so he normally races the uh, Xfinity Series, uh, but Michael Lynette is from the Des Moines, Iowa area, so uh uh, he's going to be racing out there at Knoxville Raceway this weekend. And then also a sprint car standout, uh, Parker Pipe Miller is going to drive for Jordan Anderson racing at Knoxville Raceway this weekend. So just a lot of different drivers you're going to see in that Camping World Truck Series race at Knoxville this weekend.
1: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, everybody wants especially the dirt guys, you know, they want to, you know, they want to get a chance, you know, to get out and, you know, play in the dirt too. So, you know, that's why I see, you know, a lot of these different drivers, you know, come out, you know, for this, you know, for this race at, you know, Knoxville. Plus it's a historic dirt track too. So, you know, it's going to make for an exciting night of, uh an exciting night of racing. A couple of other drivers that I didn't mention, could Derek
0: Griffith? is going to be in a truck series debut at Cal Bush Motorsports at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, so you can watch for him racing there. And then Devin Routh is no longer planning a truck debut at Bristol. He's, he is looking to race Knoxville with Rayum Brothers uh, this weekend out at uh, Knoxville Raceway in Iowa. So uh, a couple of other little updates there. But, uh, Sal, let's... Uh, Let's go to the uh um, Point report for the uh for these guys
1: oh for the trucks
0: for the trucks, yeah, just to remind everybody of where okay. we stand on points,
1: yeah, the pointers um wow, pretty amazing, nobody's moved, everybody's in the same spot. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're all in the same <laughs> spot, but see, we might wow.
1: have some new listeners tonight that didn't hear us in yeah, this shoot. update before. That's pretty good. <laughs> John Hunter Nemechek is still leading the points with uh, uh, with with Ben Rhodes right behind him. Uh, John Hunter has five five race wins, so he's already locked into the playoffs. Plus, he's got thirty four playoff points. And then, um, and then yep. we go down to second is Ben Rhodes. 3rd is Austin Hill, 4th is Dane Smith, and 5th is round out the top 5 is Todd Gilliland, who also has a race win, so, so Todd is locked into the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. Out of the top 5, Austin Hill and Dane Smith are still looking for their first win and hoping that, that they can make it in our points. And then we go down to our 6th place driver, which is Sheldon Creed, who also has a race win. 7th is Matt Crafton, 8th is Grant Infinger, ninth is Stuart Friesen, and running out the top ten is uh Carson Hosever with um Chandler Smith who is on the bubble.
2: And basically well, what we're looking mind, at the, Grant
0: Infinger did not get that waiver. So Grant Infinger yeah. will not be in the playoffs.
1: So it'll be Chandler so Smith is in. Yeah, Chandler Smith will be in and Johnny Sauter is uh is the one that'll be um it was uh, it will be the bubble the bubble driver. Chad Smith right. and Johnny Sauter.
0: Yeah, those guys will be uh competing with each other for that spot. And I think there's about ten points between them. Oh well, maybe a little more than that. Uh, but yeah, these guys these guys really uh need a win. Uh the only drivers that will win in this series are John Henry Nemechek with five, Ben Rhodes with two, Todd Gilliland with one, and Sheldon Creed with one. Everybody else that we've talked about here, they don't have a win. But I still think, Jay or Sal, that uh, somebody like a Johnny Sauter or a Chandler Smith, uh, Tyler Ankrum, some of these guys could come up with a win before this is all said and done. There's only two more races left. So if they want to get that win to get in, they they've only got two more chances to do it.
1: Yeah, it's uh, time. Time is uh, running out really quick here. So, I mean, if somebody's going to make a the move, ch- they better.
0: One of those chances is Knoxville Raceway, and I'll tell you, and they're racing this weekend. And some of the guys that are good on dirt, they could jump up. <laughs> and get that win. So we will have to see what happens. Kaylee Deegan, what do you what do you think about her winning at Knoxville? I don't
1: I don't think so. I think she's they're they're still <laughs> developing her. I mean I, I'm not I'm not saying it in a mean way. I'm just saying that it seems like David just wants her to make laps this year, just get used to the truck. You know, get used to the tracks. Especially with no practice, it makes it hard. You know, because you really don't have a chance, you know, to go out there and you don't get any 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 data, you know, for you know, you know. So basically, it's just go out there and race. So I think what David's doing with Katie is just kind of, you know, you know, bring the truck home in one piece. You know, go out there and learn. You know, and learn, 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 and then you know, then we'll worry about. You know, hopefully next season. You know, when they have when the tracks open back up again. You, you know, mm-hmm. then, then maybe that's when he'll go ahead and, um, you know, go ahead and, um, you know, maybe let her loose, you know, and let let her, you know, s- you know start competing for wins. hmm
0: Exactly. Well, and but it, of the drivers that you see here, Sheldon Creed we know is a, one of the dirt racers. Who else do you see that could have a chance of winning this weekend?
2: Stuart
1: Friesen. He's another dirt racer.
0: Okay, Stuart Friesen, another dirt racer. Yeah. Uh, keep in mind, and, we've got uh, a lot of drivers, too. Others, there's a lot of drivers in the field this weekend that could be spoilers, too. Because
1: yeah, that's true. I mean, go ahead.
0: I'm just saying, there could be some spoilers this weekend, and that could shake up these point standings as well. What's the point
1: of yeah, you have uh, Do- Do- Donnie Schott, who's a uh, who's a, a really good dirt racer. Um, let me see, let me look who else uh, Join the crowd this year, just for this weekend. Stuart Friesen, I'd like it. Um, Donnie Shot. Um,
0: Okay, not and that is that we we,
1: we, we oh, that we look at the normal like Sheldon Creed. But he, he already has he already has this win. And because uh, we have uh forty forty trucks in it for this week.
0: Yeah, and that's gonna make it pretty darn interesting. Uh Danny Schatz is in this race. Uh we mentioned some of the others. Uh Danny Bone is going to be in the race for On Point Motorsports. Uh, Jake Griffiths and, for Rayum Brothers. Um, Ryan Truex for Nice Motorsports. Ryan Brown for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Jessica Friesen is also racing this weekend. She's pretty good on dirt too, right?
1: Yeah, I I think she is
2: she so, should be. If she's,
1: if she's Stuart Friesen's wife, you would hope she'd be good on on dirt because that's, that was his background. So, I mean, and it's, exactly. and it seemed like the only two races she tried to race this year were the dirt races. So, yeah, you know, you kind of hope, you know, that she would, you know, she's going to go out there and try to put on a show.
0: Yeah, Michael, and that's going to have Eddie Triconis on the, on the tip box too. So... I don't know. I think I think that this is going to be a very competitive race out at Nashville Raceway, and uh, again, we'll have more for you uh, this weekend. Um, since uh, let's go ahead and go to the Xfinity Series now uh, and talk about uh, the race this past weekend uh, for them. The Henry 180 that took place out at Road America. Uh, What a great deal for you know we're used to uh, the Fourth of July weekend being at Daytona, but I thought Road America did a really good job this weekend.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's still, I don't. It's 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 going to be tough to get used to, but you know what we're used to the you know to the plate racing you know and the you know, Daytona instead of a you know, of all things a road course. Yeah. But I mean, it was it was some good racing, but I kind of think the fans, deep down inside, still want to see the you know they still want to see you know Daytona you know as the Fourth of July weekend you know the place to spend it. But man, yeah. I, I just don't know about what, the. It's going to
0: be the cutoff race for the regular season, so that's going to be pretty exciting as well. Uh, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, Now, taking advantage of a late wreck that foiled other contenders, not to mention pressure tires for the final six-lap green flag run, Kyle Busch won Saturday's Henry 180 at Road America, claiming his fourth NASCAR Xfinity Series victory in four starts this season. So despite going off course twice during the 45-lap race, Kyle Busch in the number 54 won the Xfinity Series race uh, and his fourth win is in his, in his many starts this season and his first win at uh, road, America's, uh, uh, road America in his debut race. Uh, the number 18 of Daniel Hemrick rebounded from a pit road penalty in order to finish second with the number one of Michael Annette getting his best finish of the season thus far in third place. A.J. Amandinger placed fourth with Harrison Burton. Rounding out the top five. Uh, in the number 99, Kevin Harvick finished sixth in his first ever start at the famed Rose Course. Riley Erbs uh, came home in seventh, uh, followed by Austin Sendrick, Noah Gregson, and Justin Haley to round out the top ten. Almondinger swept the first two stages of the, uh, stages of the race and now has five stage wins on the season. There were 12 lead changes among eight drivers and seven cautions for 11 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 74.972 miles per hour. Um, in his, let's see. In his first victory in first top ten finish in uh, the series debut at Ro- Road America for Kyle Busch, Daniel Hemric posted his second top ten finish in four races at Road America, and in the 11th top ten finish this year. Michael Lynette, finishing third, posted his fourth top ten finish in nine races at Road America. Ty Gibbs finished 33rd. He was the highest finishing rookie. This is Joe Gibbs Racing's second NASCAR Xfinity Series victory at Road America. In 2019, Christopher Bell won, and of course this year it was Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch becomes the 12th different Xfinity Series winner at Road America, extending the series active record for the most consecutive different winners at the track. So in the 12 years that they've done it, uh, they've had 12 different winners. That's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it is. It was uh, it was an amazing win by Kyle Busch. And, uh, you know, when you start looking, you know, up and down the, um, you know, the, the um,
2: the race Ra- itself,
1: yeah, the race itself, um, you know, uh, man, AJ Allmendinger fell off quick. Noah Gregson was sitting up there in the, like, the top three, and then he, he fell off. Justin Haley had a good, strong car, and at the end, he fell off, and you know what, and, uh, and and basically it was Harvick and uh, Hamrick and um, actually Harrison Burton who were making the charges. You know, with the after the you know like four or five to go, six to go, they really made a big charge to get up there and get the finishes that they had because you know it looked like uh, it looked like Noah and Justin were going to be. Oh, then Brandon Brown had the. I think Brandon Brown was up there too. That he got he got clipped in the back. And they got spun.
2: hmm Yeah,
0: it it really was an amazing race. Now, there's a few accidents as well. Sam Mayer and Spencer Pompelli uh, were both involved in an accident. Uh, Jade Buford had a suspension issue. Ty Gibbs, uh, one of the drivers, is usually pretty competitive in the Xfinity series. He had a transmission issue that took him out early. Uh, Natalie Decker, Brett Moffat, Ryan Ellis, Josh Berlicki, and uh, I believe, let me run it across. Yeah, Josh Berlicki, they were all involved in an accident as well. So 29 cars still running at the end of the race. Uh, All the rest were either had uh, mechanical issues or they had um, uh, accident situations taking them out of the race. So AJ Alman won those first two uh stages but uh, couldn't pull it off at the end.
1: Yeah, it was uh it was uh you know, once again, you know was it was a like you know it was it was uh you know, tires, you know, I mean you know, you have to how to save your tires and then uh then, you know, pitch strategy also these road courts, especially these big ones. You know, this is a uh you know, it's not a, a two mile this this is a, a four point a four and a half mile, yeah, you know, road course. It's so I a mean, big you know, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, the laps take forever. So you know, you got to really, you know, you got to be really good with your tire management, you know, and and how you actually how you manage your car because there's a lot, you know, takes a long time to get around to get around this track.
0: Okay, so let's go ahead and cover the points report uh, after Road America's uh, Henry One Eighty. For the Xfinity
1: series. Okay, the the, the points. And we see the the driver points now. We still see um, Austin Sebregue leading the points with um, with four race wins. AJ Allmendinger in second with two race wins. Daniel Hamrick in third. Justin Allgaier in fourth with uh, two race wins. Harrison Burton, and then Jeb Burton round out the top six. And it uh, looks like uh, Austin Cedric is smashing him with the playoff points. He's got 27. The next closest uh-huh. driver is uh, A.J. Almeda with 15. And then you go down to Justin Allgaier with 11. And then from there, the seventh of the points is Justin Haley. Eighth is Brandon Jones. Ninth is Noah Gregson. Tenth is Michael Annette. And then 11th. Is Jeremy Clements, but we also have to remember that Mike Snyder has a win. So actually, the bubble driver would be uh, Jeremy Clements, unless NASCAR well, gives Brown, Josh.
0: Brandon Brown was in twelve, so we didn't mention him. Yeah, but yeah.
1: No, that's why I said yeah. Brandon Brown, but actually Mike Snyder would would push. Because by Saturday sitting thirteenth, so he has a race win,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so he would he'd mm-hmm. push Brandon Brown out, and Jeremy uh, yep. Jeremy Clements would be the would be the bubble driver, unless right. NASCAR gives Josh Berry or um, or Ty Gibbs a waiver.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're going to give jo- uh, Ty Gibbs a waiver, and I haven't heard any news about whether Josh Berry has even asked uh, for a waiver. Uh, he's had fourteen of the seventeen. So he's missed three races. Uh, but he does have that win. So we'll have to wait for any news on whether or not he's even gonna ask for a waiver. So but Mike Snyder definitely has punched his ticket to be in, so he's in in that uh, top top group. Any are there any surprises for you, uh Sal, with what's happened in the Xfinity series this year, as far as the top twelve drivers, what what's you know, the biggest surprise for you?
1: I don't know. I I think I think the biggest surprise would have to be Jeb Burton from where he finished last year to where he's at this year. You know, and then you mm-hmm. know with him getting the win, you know, and then the cons- consistency that he's had, you know, to stay, you know, with, actually within, you know, the top six. You know, but I, I i think I think he has to be the really the biggest surprise. You know, as far as you know, when you talk about the top twelve drivers in there, because I've always, you know, said,
0: you, I've always said if you put him in good equipment, uh, you'll see what his talents are. And I think this year he's in good equipment, and so we are seeing his talents.
1: Yeah, and Austin Sidrick, you just kind of you kind of expected it out of him. Um mm-hmm. Justin Algeyer, you know, Harrison Burton. Uh, you know, I expected a little bit more out of Justin Haley. I expected at least one or at least one or two wins out of him. We haven't gotten any wins.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that Harrison doesn't have any wins either. I kind of expected uh that by now he yeah. did have some wins as well. But um uh and I'm a little frustrated for Riley Herb. Uh, and I'm sure he is too, because he's in the championship winning car from last year and I thought I kinda of thought maybe he'd have some better runs.
1: Yeah, I just think just like the whole Stuart Haas organization, I just think they're you know, they're a little bit behind the behind the eight ball when it comes to uh you know, when it when it comes to the you know, to the racing at the um you know, at this level.
0: Mhm. Yeah. yep, I hear you. So, anyway, these guys uh, have had... Uh, so, have they've really put on some good racing this year, and it, it's been a fun series to watch. So, they'll be racing this weekend coming up at Atlanta Motor Speedway with the Cup Series. So, uh, uh, there's a lot of news surrounding Atlanta uh, this week, too. So... Um, this will be the last time we see them race on this particular configuration.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, we we might see some surprises.
0: (laughs) We might see some surprises. Uh, Yeah, you never know. You never know. Let's go ahead and move to the um, uh, cup race at Road America. Uh, another interesting race. Chase Elliott was able to prevail uh, and kind of, he's been amazing on the road courses uh, and a road course master. After one event in exile, Case Elliott is once again the king of the roads. Uh, the reigning NASCAR Cup Series champion passed Kyle Bush for the leap on lap 46 of 62 and truth to victory. Uh, for uh, his uh, another race there for the Cup Series. Um, it was actually the first time that the Cup, Cup Series has raced at the 4.048 mile road course in 65
2: years. So uh,
0: it was kind of a historic race uh, for the Cup Series. Uh, the win was his second win of the year and 13th of his career, Christopher Belt, and his second, a, a really good run by Christopher Bell. Hal Bush finished in third. Kurt Busch finished in fourth. Followed by Denny Hamlin to round out the top five. Then it was Chase Briscoe, a good run for him. Uh, Ch- Russ Casteen, Tyler Reddick, Martin Turex Jr., and Matt Cabinadillo rounding out the top ten. William Byron was the pole winner. He finished 33rd after a late race spin. Elliott took the lead from Kyle Busch with 16 laps to go to go and pulled away by nearly a six-second by six seconds. It was his sixth career road course win. Uh, just amazing what he's done on the road courses. First stage was won by William Byron. The second stage by Tyler Ruddick. There were 10 lead changes among eight drivers, four cautions to nine yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race, 86 point two seven one miles per hour. Um, it was the inaugural uh, race for the Cup Series uh, and uh, it was his 13th victory in 205 Cup Series races. This is the second victory in the 11th top 10 finish this year and his first victory and first top 10 finish in the series debut at Road America. Uh, Christopher Bell posted his first top 10 finish in the series debut at Road America and his seventh captain finish this year. Kyle Bush of course, posted his first captain finish at Road America in the debut and his 13th captain finish this year. Chase Bristol in sixth was the highest finishing rookie. It was his second captain finish this year. Chase uh, Elliott's seventh career National Cup Series Road course victory. He's now ranked Solely third on the NASCAR Cup Series all-time win list behind NASCAR Hall of Famers, Jeff Gordon with nine wins and Tony Stewart with So it was really cool to see Jeff Gordon congratulating him in victory lane as well. It's also Hendrick Motorsports' 273rd NASCAR Cup Series victory, the series most. So uh, a lot of really cool stats there for Road America this weekend. So
1: yeah, there was you know when you look back you know at all of them you know it's it, I mean this was it was a it was a it was a crazy race you know it, I mean it looked like um, for a while there, you know Kyle Larson was going to you know make another run you know at um you know at another win and you know then he got hit hit by his own teammate, that's fun, you know, You know, lost some spots. But then Chris Bell really made a good, a valiant effort, you know, a good charge, you know, to try and get up there, you know, and, you know, snag that second-place spot. You know, like you said, you know, yeah, it's a really Martin good thing for Chase Bristol.
0: Yeah, and Martin Trucks had that pit road penalty, too, that kind of put him up pretty far back in the, in the uh, uh, field. And he rallied to a ninth place finish. I was surprised to see that. So
1: it was Did it was it was a it was a good him? race. I mean, yeah. You know what? I I I kind of you know I, I I thought Brad would do a little Brad and Joey would do a little bit better, but it seems like the seems like Penske cars are are struggling a little bit right now too. You know. Yeah, I'm
0: surprised at um, that too.
1: You know um. You know, it just you know, it was it was a good it was a good finish for Chase Briscoe. He needed a finish like that. You know, um, you know, he was up there, you know, for a while, you know, battling, you know, you know, for a higher higher finishing position. You know, then you yeah. I mean, you got to wonder especially if Ross Chess.
0: especially considering Kevin Harvick finished 27th. Uh, so I yeah. think he was the best Stuart Haas car on on Sunday.
1: You know, then you gotta wonder what's you know, what's going through Ross Chastain's mind now that, you know, um I know. Now that uh now that now that um uh, Chip Ganassi sold out to uh you know, Justin Marks, you know, I'm sure Ross is yeah. wondering, you know, Am I gonna have a ride next year, you know, am I gonna be out or, you know, what you know, what, what route are they gonna
0: take? Well they say the him and Kurt are kind of top consideration right now. So one of them's 'em's gonna end up over there. We just don't know which one yeah it's kind of amazing whats happened on his career path. Uh, it seems like just when he kind of gets things going, something happens
1: but you know but then there's a lot of talk about Kurt going possibly going to the second car for um you know for the for uh Michael Jordan and Danny Allen too yeah, and there's talk about Brad leaving and going to uh, Ralph Fenway.
0: Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people think that uh, maybe Austin Sindrick will go to the 2 now instead of the 21. So we don't know yet uh, is what uh, Roger Pinsky has said. Uh, I think they're just waiting to see how he finishes out this year to make that decision. So we'll have to see when they're ready to make an announcement what's going to happen there.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna there's there's still a lot of you know, there's there's still a lot of uh a lot of unknowns, you know, and you know, and you know, it's just you know it's getting to be almost that time of the season, you know, when you know you know, a lot of a lot of things are gonna be wondered, a lot of things are gonna be said, you know, people are gonna be wondering, you know, what's gonna go on, you know, with the um you know, with the uh you know, with some of the changes, you know, that that we're hearing about.
0: Yeah, let's go ahead and get the drivers' points before we run out of time. So,
1: okay, and then the drivers' points are um after after Road America, the drivers' points are are um let me see, we have uh Danny Hamlin still leading the points. Kyle Larson is is, is right there. Kyle Larson wants that mm-hmm. wants to win that um you know the the regular season first eight mm-hmm. championship. He's only three points back from Denny Hamlin now. Six um, more races to do is, it. Yep. Second is Kyle Larson with four wins. Third is William Byron with one win. Fourth is Kyle Bush with two wins. Um, fifth is Joey Logano with one win. Six is Chase Elliott who just picked up his second win for, on the season. Mm-hmm. Seventh is Martin Truex Jr. and Ryan Blaney round off the top eight as so they take 16 into the um, into the uh, into the chase. And Kyle Larson has a whopping 12 stage wins with 32 uh, stage points.
0: Amazing
1: playoff points. Uh, playoff points. There you go. And then um, ninth, we're looking at Kevin Harvick hasn't had a win this year. 10th is Brad Kozlowski, who does have a win, and he's he's got his spot in the in the chase. 11th, of course, Alice Bowman with three wins. Um, 12th is Austin Dillon. 13th is Tyler Reddick. 14th is Kyle, but- Kyle Kurt Busch. 15th is Christopher Bell. And the uh, and run out the top 16 is Chris Buescher, but then we also have to remember that Michael McDowell has a win, so that would push Chris Buescher out and Christopher Bell basically um, the driver on the bubble since uh, Michael McDowell had the win at the at the um, Daytona 500.
0: What do you think the chances are? Ross Chastain's had a couple of really good runs. What are the chances that Ross Chastain picks up a win and bounces uh, somebody else out?
1: I don't know. It, it's it's tough because I mean that's like saying you know you know Danny Hamlin gets that win too you know uh-huh. and she's overdue. So is um so is Kevin Harvick. But I don't know. I I mean I know in. in In seasons past, we've seen some good, some good stuff out of Ross Chastain, but it just doesn't seem like he's. I don't know. Just uh, I don't know if it's equipment he's in or or what's going on, but I just don't. um, Haven't seen anything promising from Ross
2: Chastain.
0: Yeah, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick, and Kurt Busch all winless so far. So, uh what are the chances one of them get a win? Which one do you think is gonna be the next one to get a win of the winless drivers?
1: I don't know, I could see Kurt Busch. He's been he's been pretty pretty consistent running up, you know, up front. Um I don't know, I don't know what's up with, with Kevin Harvick, you know, why he hasn't gotten a win this year, you know what? I know last year, you know, we seemed kinda of like the same little skid from from Kyle Busch, you know, after, you know, he had a you know, a real strong season.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh.
1: I, I know I, I've, there's been talk about, he's old, you know, what, and just this and that. But I, I
2: don't,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how old you are. You're a winner. You're a winner. You know what? I I still think yep. that Stuart Haas is having, is having issues with their, um,
0: yeah, yeah, still
1: having issues with their program. You know, um, you know, I just, that's just, those are my thoughts. And, and I mean, when you look at Stuart Haas racing across the board,
0: so, uh, we're ready to start hot topics, and I was going to ask you, are, do you want to uh, stay on for hot topics? Because it's just Jay and I tonight. We could use an extra body.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can't available. share.
1: Not tonight. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm I'm burned out. I'm tired. I mean, I'm I'm still
0: still are you fighting do the, a, the heat. race track this weekend.
1: Yeah, I'll be at Irondale for the. Um, we'll have a regular a regular um, uh, Advanced Auto Parts um, series this weekend. So yeah, I'll be oh, in, I'll cool. be at
0: Okay. Well, have fun this weekend, and uh, uh, get some rest. And we'll talk to you on Monday night.
1: Okay. Thank you. You guys have a good evening. <laughs> have a good week. Have a safe weekend. We'll talk to you next week.
0: Okay. Thanks, Al.
1: Okay. 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 Okay, Bye.
0: Good night. All right. Joining me now for our hot topic sound off segment tonight is none other than Mr. Jay Huseman.
3: We're gonna we're gonna have to add a nickname in there of, of Mr. Limp, uh Played a little Mr. softball list. tonight, and I know I told you I had plenty of time. I just got settled in and ready to go, so I can relate to Sal. He said he, he was tired and wore out. I was like, I know that feeling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, he's been doing a lot of uh, a lot of traveling around, too. Okay, so it's just you and me, I guess, tonight, uh, Jay. Uh, so let's go ahead and kick off our huts for tonight. What do you have on your list? Well, I
3: think uh, Tommy put this one up last. We'll just go see if we can go uh, from the bottom up there. Tommy put this one up of uh, I saw where SRX was making an announcement, and the announcement mm-hmm. is Chase versus Bill next week for the SRX at Nashville Fairgrounds. Chase Elliott going to race with the SRX series and gets to race against his dad.
0: Okay, and they just raced it at at, uh, Nashville, so it's going to be interesting. Although this is actually at the fairgrounds. It's not Nashville Super Speedway, so that's going to be a little bit different. But, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I can't wait uh, to see what happens there. I have not yet been able to watch an SRX race. I am really, really hoping that this weekend I get that chance. What are you thoughts, know, I'm trying
3: then? to think uh I'm trying to think where they are this weekend. I've gotten one out of three if for some reason, I know the first week I expected it to record and it didn't the second week uh what what track was it? I think I got to watch Knoxville and then i I'm sorry, I missed Knoxville I got to watch eldora um and then this past this weekend is wherever they in a were couple of
0: weeks, I guess.
3: Yeah, no, I was just saying. I mean, you said you didn't get to watch, so I, I've only gotten to watch one of the one of the three or four, however many they've had. Um, so the, it's it's interesting. Um, I think as they grow, they might tweak things a little bit. But I think right now the the hype of, of having Chase Elliott. Oh, that's where my thought train or my train of thought was. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> hype and Chase versus Bill. If you've been following along, Bill has had some issues. It, you know, you go back to the IROC series, the cars are supposedly desi- or, uh, set up the same and everything. They put it in the driver's hands. Well, Bill's car has had some issues uh, each and every week. Uh, so it's been unfortunate, hopefully, especially if they're hyping this, of, of Chase coming in versus his dad, that uh, uh, Bill's car is ready to go. Because, uh, like I said, they've had it had some type of, and it appeared to be the same fuel pickup issue or something in in the fuel issue with an uh, issue that he hasn't been able to really run and finish a race. Yeah,
0: yeah, they're going to be at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway on July 17th, and it will be televised on uh, on CBS. So mark your calendars for that one. Uh, but it's going to be fun to see him race against not just his dad, but all of the other racers that are in that again.
3: Yeah. And I think it was, no, I thought it was one from our crew that had made the comment must've been on Twitter that they were happy to see an active cup driver uh, finally get to participate. Yes. And with the couple races I've seen and followed him along on Twitter, I didn't realize they have 10, 10 uh, regularly scheduled drivers that run in the same car, then they have what they call the local
2: Hmm.
3: uh, hot shot or local driver, and then a ringer that they bring in. In this case, I think Chase is coming in under the ringer. I know Greg Biffle has run under that, Scott Bloomquist when they were on dirt, Um, Uh and then a local driver from whatever track it is. And I didn't realize that's mm-hmm. how they had those final two uh, spots. So uh, that is really cool. I do love that they're doing that and, and the way they're doing that. So and, and in a case like this, like you said, the opportunity for Chase to run against, not just his dad but these other drivers, to be the ringer in this case, uh, I think they can really expand on that and make that a big thing. And I know we talked about this. Mike being one wanted to see some of the active more current uh, drivers mm-hmm. participate, well, the schedule lined up, and now Chase is able to do it that weekend. So that that's big deal, and I, I do think they should really promote it. I think it will be cool to watch as well.
0: well. I agree. I think it's going to be very cool to watch. Just on a side note, the SRX is racing in Slinger, Wisconsin this weekend. Um, I know we tried to get Jesse Love for the show tonight, but he's racing in the Slinger National this. For- Uh, This tonight, so that's why we didn't get them on. I'm going to see. I'm not sure yet, but I'm going to try to see if we can't get them for Thursday night, so just kind of a programming note there.
3: Well, that'd be awesome. I'm I'm sure uh, Quentin's excited about that up there uh, in the Midwest. That's one of those of not quite the... uh, to the level of the Snowball Derby, but up up in the Wisconsin-Minnesota-Midwest area uh-huh. there, the, the Slinger Nationals, definitely a big event.
0: It is. It's a huge event. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really kind of anxious to see if I can't uh, catch that race this weekend for the SRX. But getting back to the Chase versus Bill, I hope he does not have those problems this weekend that you were talking about. Um, and that we get to see him race with his son uh, out there on the track. Uh, But as I mentioned earlier, I think it's also going to be fun to see uh, Chase Elliott race up against some of the the, uh, legends that we know will be racing this weekend, too, some of those regulars.
3: It'll be interesting to see. I know Mike Mike was one of those of, you know, especially for the first year to get it off the ground, the driver lineup they had – how that changes up for year two, if they go into year two, how year two works or what, you know, what the plan is moving forward. Uh, I think they got a lot of potential for growth and things they can do, but I think for their first year out, the way they've set it up, uh, I know a lot of people are probably going to complain, you know, Tony Stewart's uh, in charge of it or partners in it. And he's the one winning. They had two races on dirt, which he won, but uh, you know, these other guys, they're out there having fun. And I, I I assume you, at least, you may not have gotten to watch the races, but you know what's going on with it. Uh, Paul Tracy feuding against the rest of the field, I guess, if you will, uh, certainly provides Mm. for some entertainment.
0: It certainly does. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the next topic. I'll bring it up here. Um, This was also posted over on our our, uh, team page. Uh, Speedway Motorsports is going to create the next generation Atlanta Motor Speedway with a historic track reprofile. So uh, the following following 10 months of confidential research, development, testing, and simulation with engineers and iRacing, the reprofile will increase the current 24-degree banking in Atlanta's turns instead to 28 degrees higher than any other intermediate track on the current NASCAR circuit. So the straightaway banking will remain at 5 degrees, and in addition to the new high, high banks, the racing surface will become narrower with an overall decrease in width from 55 feet to 40 feet, and new widths will be 52 feet on the front stretch and 42 feet on the back stretch and turns. So the project will pave the way for a bold new era of NASCAR racing in Atlanta. So um, that was a kind of an interesting uh, 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 news today. About we knew it was going to be reconfigured. We didn't know that it was, they were going to increase the banking so much and make the make the uh, uh, make it narrower on different parts of the track. So. What are your thoughts about that?
3: Well, you know my thoughts on the iRacing, the whole iRacing situation. This is one of those, we'll see if it pans out of what they've supposedly learned from iRacing and applying it to real world. Uh, I don't want to pass the judgment yet. Uh, You know, you listed there, a lot of research did go into it, part of it being iRacing. So, uh, I don't want to hold that against it. But even if it is comes from the eye racing of how it does apply to the actuality of what happens. Uh, I'm one, I'm kind of torn. I've always been, been one of those that, you know, if they could hold off on not repaving for another year uh, to do so, because Atlanta <laughs> is uh, just an awesome track the way it is. We'll see that this coming weekend, uh, which we'll preview on Thursday. So, but I also know uh, Mike put it uh you know, it should be interesting. The place is going to be screaming fast with that banking like that. And that would be my hope. Uh, you know, the narrowing of the track, I'm not as sure about. But, uh, again, trusting in, in the the people that are involved and in the, the research they've put into it, whether it come from iRacing or not, uh, you know, I have faith that, the, that they're doing their due diligence and that it will then provide for great on-track racing. The only thing I would have the concern is how long it takes. We've seen this in the past of when we have a repave that it can be one lane. I know they've done some different things with the Dragon Tire, uh, PJ1, or any other substance they use to try and speed up the process of aging the track or getting grip into the track versus, I'm not going to name any, but several tracks we've seen in the past that, the first two to three years become really one groove, one lane, and not a whole lot of side-by-side racing.
0: Uh, In fact, the current asphalt at Atlanta is the oldest racing surface the NASCAR Cup Series will visit in 2021. Uh, Its last repave was actually in 1997, and uh, since then, uh, the Speedway has hosted 38 NASCAR Cup Series races, 24 Xfinity, 20 Camping World Truck Series races, 10 ARCA Series races, 4 IndyCar Series races on the 1.54-mile oval, plus countless other uh, U.S. Legends and Bandolero car races on its front stretch uh, quarter-mile thunder ring. So, uh, it it's really, I, I agree with you. I, a lot of times even the drivers uh, don't want to see a repave happen because it takes a while for the groups to come in uh, and for it to be more than one, one lane. Uh, but with this being so fast, um, I, I, I agree. I think it's going to be a really fast race. I wanted, and I didn't get a chance to do this, uh, maybe I can do this in a few minutes. I wanted to compare how it was going to be with the banking at uh, Michigan Speedway, uh, because Michigan is a really fast track. And I, I wanted to see uh, if it compared with what they did there. Have you have you checked that out, Jay?
3: I had not. Um, you know, I was just going based off of the increase where it's at now. You know that the banking, it allows them to keep the more, more momentum we might see it become more like Homestead, Miami, too, where you're going to be running that inches off of the wall, and they already run pretty high and at top speeds at Atlanta, so I don't know if that's what they were targeting. I do like the fact, though, that, you know, SMI is investing in. Um, you mentioned that Drivers actually, what was that, last year or the year before, I mean, they were set to repave it, and at the very last moment, they called it off and allowed it to go one or two more years because the drivers really pushed and said hey we like it the way it is it's it's slick it's racy you know the the tire grip the speed and and the drivers really did influence that and make that decision for them
0: yeah they they really did uh let's see i'm trying to see here if they give me the uh banking uh at uh michigan No, I don't see the banking yet. Okay, I'm gonna keep looking, <laughs>
3: and it, see w- it if will I be. Can in- get- yeah, I was gonna say it would be interesting, especially with like I said, Atlanta even as a, at the mile and a half is uh, a lot of times uh, carrying just as much speed as they do at Talladega and Daytona, uh, as far as like pole speed and and lap speed, so uh with that banking and we might see it of uh, you know the first couple times out a couple of guys uh, getting a little heavier into the wall than what they expect uh ho- hopefully we don't see that but i think it will make for some interesting racing <laughs> excuse me the uh, the other thing like i said with the narrowing of the track that's where I, I, i'm not sure the what the reason for that is of, of taking away a lane but maybe with that banking that's what what they what they need to do to make it where the two lanes or three lanes are available.
0: Okay. I just see 18 degrees of banking uh, in the corners. Uh, I, so I guess we'll go with that uh, for uh, Michigan. And look at how fast that track is. If they have 18 degree of banking and now they're going to change it to 28 uh, degrees of banking at uh Atlanta. That's going to be
3: huge. It will be the 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 reason they can do that is that Atlanta doesn't have as big a straightaways at only a 1.5 mile versus the two mile. Got to look at the straightaway speed, the speed they get going down the straightaways. Uh, Atlanta is the D shaped, a a little bit of the D shaped as well. So you so you have that little uh, arc in it, Uh, then the backstretch. Mm -hmm. And I don't know to pull up the uh, the length of the two straightaways versus that would be the telltale sign of, of why they can do that. And, and like I said, I'm not a, not an engineer. So that might be a, have to do with the narrowing of the track as well then um, that keeps them from building up that kind of momentum.
0: Okay. So uh, yeah, it is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I have not seen comments from the drivers yet. Have you?
3: Uh, no, I had not seen any from the drivers. I did uh, have to throw mics out there. I thought that was kind of funny when they, they said there was an announcement coming from Atlanta that Trackhouse bought Atlanta. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: that's funny. Um, yeah, that's not it. <laughs> okay, so uh, what else do we have to talk about?
3: Uh, right, sliding up one. Oh, this one was interesting. This is the one I put up. Talked about, uh, what was it, Matt Weaver at Auto Week um, listed about, let's see how he worded it, yeah. the effect of the next-gen car on what it could have on the Arca Series. As the Arca Series has always kind of taken the, what do we call it, older cup cars and brought them down to the Arca Series, even as they moved from a, a generation to a next this one with them going to the full next-gen car, where does that leave the Arca Series?
0: Interesting. Uh, I know a lot of times the Arca Series uses cars that are coming from uh, the Cup Series or the Extremity Series. Uh, so uh, it is going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm trying to run through this article real quick uh, and get the gist of it here, Jay.
3: Well, and, and the biggest one, if you get down, and I'm trying to think where it is, you'll see something from Venturini as one of them. Of He's got some concerns, and it's not necessarily about uh, existing purely on the trickle-down from the Cup Series or Xfinity Series technology.
0: So I guess part of the question would be, how does that affect the driver development? Um, for the drivers that are, uh, it's kind of a ladder series into NASCAR. So in what way will it affect that?
3: Right. And that, and that's where, where Venturini talks about it. And he, he truthfully said that it's, it's not necessarily the, the cost isn't about the car. Um, and I, I don't know if he gave any references to, um, They said back uh, on paper, uh, seems reasonable and thematically similar to the Arca entry list in the booms of the late 2000s with the introduction of the car tomorrow, which led to an infusion of trickle-down Gen 4 Cup Series chassis. So that's where, you know, if these Cup cars, which are going to be outdated with the next-gen car, if the Arca Series then continues with them, Um, And takes all that excess, which is good for cup owners or whatever that, you know, that can be spread around and and still provide for the Arca Series. But then it's a matter of is that really, like you said, goes to the driver development. If you're really going from a similar car to an absolutely different car from the Cup Series into the Xfinity and then the, the, uh, the Cup Series.
0: Yeah, okay, I got to the Venturini quote here. He says, I'll say this right now, car counts are not down because of the vehicles. They keep saying that we have to find ways to make it cheaper to get people in cars, but the cars are not, the operating expenses are the cost. So the problem is that the decision makers have come in and they look at expenses line by line and circle the ones they say are too big and address them. That's why ARCA eliminated light like pit stops and replace them with several field-freezing breaks instead. But then, says, the operating costs really haven't changed that much. By the time you get to the bottom line, and that's all I care about as a team owner, we didn't change the bottom line uh, too much. We changed how we spent our money and lessened our product in the process. So all these changes were made in hopes of keeping teams around, and that ended up leaving the series anyway. So, you know, he makes a good point there.
3: Yeah, and and that's one that I know even at the cup level, you know, NASCAR has looked at uh, of different things, um, and maybe they do need to put a little more focus on that uh, if that's what your owners are saying of, of hey, you, you tried something, it really didn't work because our bottom line isn't changing. You know, and I know a lot of people when we talk about the schedule of, well, we want to see – They see 36 different racetracks And I'm using 36 from the Cup Series numbers Uh, I don't remember what Arca's is Versus I'm sorry, see 36 different venues Versus seeing multiple tracks get two races But especially for the Arca Menard Series Staying in the Midwest uh, I know they've expanded now They've gone as far west as, as Phoenix You know, that's where that cost comes in And especially at that lower tier side of it you know, the travel on the on the teams, uh, that's good for marketing, but on the, the ef- effect it has on the teams and the owners and their bottom line, you're saving money on the car, but now you're spending it on travel all the way out to Phoenix. So that's where he's saying it, it really didn't come out at the bottom line to saving any. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's also talking about how, bringing the Ilmore engine kind of changed it, uh, for, and made it harder for some of the old, you know, uh, drivers, some of, the, some of the staple drivers of the Arca racing series. I have kind of bowed out with the Ilmore engine.
2: Yeah. You know, that to me is kind of
3: surprising that that would be a reason. Cause I would think too, at least for the owner side of it, um, Cost-wise, but there, then you're talking about competitive because again, if if you're bringing in a, a set engine, the competitive of, of it kind of goes away. Kind of like we talked about with the electric cars versus an engine. Of um, there too, you lose that little bit of playroom. You know, I know they don't have a whole lot of playroom, but a little bit as far as teams building their own hor- horsepower, working their own horsepower into it.
0: Yeah, it looks like the biggest difference here is that. Uh, in order to purchase an Ilmore engine, it's forty thousand and twenty thousand dollars to get it rebuilt. Uh, if you look at the old Legacy engines that they used, uh, the cost was around twelve thousand, and they could get it rebuilt for seven thousand or less. So if you don't have that kind of money, you gotta bow out, and that's what's hurting some of these uh, staple drivers from participating.
3: And, and this, uh, you know, actually is a problem throughout all of racing. Uh, around here on the dirt tracks, is, it's what they call the crate engine. Uh, there's a little bit difference between what, what they call a crate engine and a spec engine, and I am not the mechanic to be able to tell you I wish we had Mike on tonight because he would tell you what the difference is. But either way, it's an engine that, like you said, is supplied by somebody. You have to go to them, and it's at their cost versus being able to either do it yourself or a regular engine being rebuilt is a little bit cheaper, but if that's what's being mm-hmm. mandated, you have no choice. You either got to got to do it, or as you said, exit exit out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this guy's talking. Uh, we're talking, uh Mullins. Ten years ago, you could pick up a cheap uh, cup chassis, cut off uh, the
2: an old
0: cut off body a used cup motor and go racing that's how we broke in but we couldn't get in the door the same way we did in 2008 so when NASCAR took over the finances for Arca, uh so it it just kind of changes everything uh when they can't when they can't uh when they have to spend so much more to get in that door
3: and that that one kind of surprised me about how much how much of a difference that made uh and, again, I have some experience with that with the local local tracks, some of them that do based on tech inspection that they hold the payout for a week or two. So especially for a team, say they pick up a big win, can't even go racing the next week because they need that payday in order to make it to the track the next weekend. Yeah, they're going to get paid, but it's going to be a week or two until tire samples and everything else come back. Uh, You know, and that Mm -hmm. they might be counting on that budget if they don't have the bigger sponsor to back them up.
0: Right, right. Uh, And the other uh, costs that came in here are the full fire suits and the helmets that the crew members uh, have to have now. That's an additional $350 for every crew member. Uh, So even though they don't have live pit stops, they still have to protect those crew members, and it uh, it, it kind of ups some cost there as well.
3: Yeah, that's one of those, uh, and uh, some of this is even actually kind of interesting and new to me, if you will, um, but where he's talking about that of, you know, if they say they cut the cost of the car itself, that they're still spending the same amount same amount of money or not Oh um, as big a big a difference, yeah, as big a difference as what what you would think, um, even by like you said, okay, they cut the live pit crews; you don't have to have as many. But the new safety I- I- innovations, such as the fire suits and the helmets and the way the way they have them now, that cost has gone up. So you know, where's the balance?
0: Yeah, another comment here from Venturini. One of the reasons we struggle with cars right now is if you look through our rule book, we have two different chassis we could run, and last year it was three. We have three different type motors we can run, and each one has a, has a lead, aluminum, or steel box you have to run with it. There's weight brakes, so about 20 different weight combinations in which we can weigh. Uh, there's two different windshields we can use. Everything is combined in total weight, and there's a lot of different formulas that go into what your car is supposed to weigh. So that's got to make it super confusing.
3: This is, this is where, like I said, there there was a lot more to it than what I realized when he's talking about that. Uh, and we compared it to the, the Wild West racing or outlaw racing, the run-what-you-brung uh, philosophy from back in the day. Uh, you know, I know they had some rules, but I didn't realize that they were that much more liberal that now they're being a little more constrained. But even so, like you said, of having so many different options and, you know, I'm sure it's one of those of, they have to have at least one set of each in order to compare. And then they choose from the best one, or if they get to the track and feel like this track, okay, now suits this one better, this style better changing it over. So, Yeah, there's a lot more involved there than what I
2: realized.
0: Yeah, he goes on to say you shouldn't have to be worried about all the other variables and that uncertainty is why people aren't there. What they don't know, if they have the right chassis for the future and what about the motor or windshield or what that means for your weight, your weight breaks. I'll be honest with you, it's kind of insane because it's like trying to combine three different weight models in one race and giving them their own rules. So that's got to be maddening.
3: I don't. I don't <laughs> know if any other fans
0: are.
3: Yeah, I don't know if any other fans are familiar with it. Uh, we do it at uh, several events throughout the year. One track will host a race, but you can run your own track rules. So you have to bring a copy of the rules from your track. As long as your car qualifies under the rules from your track, you can run against teams that are running under rules, different set of rules for this track, and they all run at one event. Yeah, it is a nightmare on the tech guys.
0: (laughs) I would think so. Um, Here's another point that he makes, Venturini. He says uh, potentially a much larger issue moving forward is that ARCA is objectively no longer cool. That makes me so sad. Uh, But he goes on to say we were kind of an outlaw series. Our rules were looser, our tracks were different, and we were kind of the wild, wild west of racing. I hate to say it but because no one has advocated for this series more than I have, but we have become a bland cookie-cutter series. Uh, with the intent of saving teams' money, races are now cut into segments, controlled pit stops that no longer require professional overall over-the-wall crews at best, or training school students at worst. The cars are serviced by the traveling team under an lot of period of time, and they drive off that road the way they came down it. So, yeah, I, I see the points here. Uh, it, it it makes me sad to read this article. It really does.
3: That's where I said, yeah, that when he referred to it as that of, of if you are the last of the free range or, you know, run what you run it kind of did draw the the people to that just for that reason, whether it be team owners, drivers, sponsors, uh, what be it, that it was the last breed of that, if you will. So and it, I understand that they're kind of going away from it. And there there's advantages and disadvantages. Again, for driver development it helps because they're driving similar to the next level is going to be. Versus if they're running the the outlaw style and then happen to all of a sudden jump up and and switch into a regulated package, you know they might not be as familiar. But like he said, of it's kind of driving some teams away. The other point thereof, especially with of uh, the unknown from year to year for the ARCA ARCA Menard series, based off of what NASCAR does, uh, the willing to invest long term because if you if you go in and say get a bunch of chassis like you said in in a year or two they're all outdated you can't afford to then switch over
2: Mhm
0: Yeah, that's true. Um it's always been a feeder series into the NASCAR uh, upper series. Uh, and and a lot of you know another point they're making here is uh, uh This is uh, Rod Drager. Uh, He's saying folks like Frank Kimball and the Venturini family, Andy Hillenberg, they're happy to carve out a living racing here. Not everyone passes through, so we are best known for that developmental aspect. But you also had some of those veterans uh, that these guys were racing up against. And if they're not there anymore, uh, it makes it a little bit tougher for them to get the kind of experience. Uh, that they need to move up
3: well that that's true too uh, whether or not uh, and we still see a few drivers not as many as we do in the other series but do see a few drivers um, drop down to that when they're combination events or if they have the off weekend but not near as many as we do in the Xfinity or truck series so you're right there the, there's that edge of okay I'm small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a small pond and then all of a sudden you're moving up as a small fish in the big pond
0: yeah yeah so it's going to be interesting it's an interesting article uh, but uh, all told while those within the orchestra might quibble over rules package entry list everyone agrees that Ron Dreger is the right man to continue steering the ship under Nascar's leadership. Uh if they just let Run Ron run ARC it'll be the best version of ARCA that it can be. And that's from Prater. Um so yeah. It's really amazing. Oh uh, you know, everybody wondered what would happen if Nascar took over um the Arkham and Art series. Uh and you, you know, you're from the Midwest just like me. Arca has always been a very popular series, uh, so I hope that NASCAR is listening, and I hope that they uh, are able to do something to keep keep them relevant.
3: It, it is, and it would be finding that balance of do you make it another Xfinity series or you know from that style. Obviously, there's a benefit with it the the promotion and some of the finances that come from NASCAR but then losing the true identity, like you said, of what it is, or Venturini referenced, of being the, the still some of the outlaw, not total wild outlaw Wild West, but more so than any other series So uh, Finding that balance of, okay, we want it under the NASCAR brand, which case then there's certain rules that come with it, but also allowing them to keep that identity. So, yeah, the, the board meetings are whatever they call them uh, with that, of, of who's in charge and who's running it. Uh, definitely interesting. Mhm. Mhm.
0: Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the next topic here. I think we've kind of talked that one pretty much
2: through and through. All
3: right. Uh, the next one up was uh, Eric Jones. Uh, we've been talking about different drivers. Uh, this one uh, kind of caught me off guard, if you will. Uh, he's currently in his first season with Richard Petty Motorsports. Uh, now, the original, re- original news release stated that Jones had signed a multi-year agreement, but apparently Richard Petty Motorsports has an option for the deal to continue beyond 2021 um, so that discussions between Jones and RPM have begun.
0: Yeah. So he says he's had talks with RPM about picking up his option. He's happy driving for the team and working on things to get better results. Uh, But uh, according to Bob Pockress, it sounded like uh, where he lands for 2022 is still a little uncertain. So, yeah, that does surprise me a little bit. Uh, Eric Jones is such a good driver and has been. uh, And and, uh, uh, it seems to me he says he's happy driving for the team. Uh, it seems to me like they're they're really working well together as far as uh, moving to that next level of competition uh, with Richard Petty Motorsports. And uh, I, I thought it was a really good match for Eric Jones to go to RPM, uh, and that over time I think that they can be competitive. So I hope they do pick up that option with him.
3: The the issue I see here is stability, and it, it is sad to see, yeah. uh, especially when it comes to somebody of Richard Petty's status. You know, it, it went from Richard Petty, uh, let's see, what is this, RPM, Richard Petty Motorsports.
2: It used to be Richard
3: Petty. Or Petty Enterprises. There we go. Thank you so much. Um, then it was with uh, Gillette Everham when Everham and them merged, and then it was back to Richard Petty Motorsports, but was still partially this team. And then they're in alliance with Childress. And that's just from the team and manufacturing and everything else side, let alone from the driver's side. We have seen, and I start go back to it with Eric Almorola specifically, given the stability a driver of talent, which both Eric Al, Eric Almarola and Eric Jones are, that if you give them that opportunity, Bubba Wallace, another one, he just had, a, I think, a little bit better opportunity to move on. They haven't been able to keep any kind of stability for more than two, maybe three years, and that kind of sets them back every time. So I do hope that Eric Jones stays there and they continue to build. I know we haven't seen the best results from them yet, but this is year one with this combination. And, again, I think there was a little bit of a change of – where they were located and what their alliance with Richard Childress racing was that they just need to find a spot and get settled for more than two to three years, uh, whether it be driver manufacturer, the team, uh, all of it. Cause you know, those little things can really throw you off your game.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. I, uh, if, we just have to wait and see what happens. There's
3: really not a whole lot more to say there. The, the one thing, and, and I know Mike would have some input on this. Of they, I don't see another driver out there. Uh, and I hate to say it this way, but unfortunately, that would be willing to come in full time, either with the sponsor or with the sponsors they have. I I don't see a better driver available. That would come into that situation You know we got a couple of names that are Out there Matt Benedetto, possibly Ryan Newman but again those those Drivers aren't going to want to walk Into that position Matt DiBenedetto Benedetto's already Done that and proved himself I think is going to be able To set himself up on, on a better Deal um, You know Eric Jones ended up in this position Based on uh, The lack of availability Within Toyota and at Joe Gibbs um, so I do think is probably the best fit, and I just don't see another driver of better talent or uh, situation that they could bring in to replace him.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, let's uh, go ahead and hit this one. Martin Truex Jr. on the next-gen car. Uh, if it's not fun, I won't hang around too long. Uh, apparently he was asked how the next-gen car will affect his longevity in the sport. And he said, I would say, yes, it would. It will, I think, and that's a fair question. I think look at the new car and see what it's like to go racing, and hopefully it's fun. Hopefully I have as much fun as I have driving these things. I love working with my team. I still love racing, but for sure that's going to be a big deal. If it's not fun, I won't hang around too long. I don't have to do this anymore. Uh, I'm still around because I really want to do this and continue winning races, and hopefully more championships. So, uh, uh, but he's hoping it's not going to be a whole lot of work with this new next-generation car. So what are your thoughts about that? Because I'm sure he's not alone in his thinking on that.
3: Well, we we had this discussion already back with when originally the new next-gen car was supposed to be out this year, and Jimmy Johnson mm-hmm. decided to make last year his last year. We wondered yeah. if that possibly was one of the things that crossed his mind was not wanting to go through another uh, another car change. So to have, a, in this case, Truex outright admitted it that that that's his concern. Now I don't know. Obviously, he's won three races this year, but we've talked about it. They're either on or they're way off. Uh, we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about Kevin Harvick not winning, but they're at least consistently top ten. Truex is not mm-hmm. his is win or 20th, you know? Um, so I don't know if that kind of season is, is adding to that of going through those rough spots. Um, I not real sure he'd have to be the one to, to acknowledge that. Um, but yeah, that a change like that can be for a driver. And truthfully, I think we saw some of it, maybe even with Jeff Gordon, uh, it just gets to the point yep. where the car is just so different than what you're used to and head bastard that, you know, uh, it, it takes the fun out of. AJ Allmendinger's another one with running full time has made a comment to that, you know, now he's back with college racing says he's enjoying it. And will do whatever he needs to, to help that team because he's enjoying being with that team.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, Martin tricks, Jr., you're right, he's either off or he's on, but I've got to think that maybe part of that, uh, is maybe they're, uh, testing some things for the playoffs because he does have those three wins. Um, and I do see him trying a lot of different things out there on the track. So I don't know that that's what's going on. Uh, I'm just looking for an excuse for why he's having some bad runs, I guess. But, um, I've got to think that Martin Truex Jr. hasn't forgotten how to drive. Uh, He's a good driver, and it seems to me that him and Jimmy – not Jimmy Small. What's his name? Um, Well, James Small. Yeah, James Small. There you go. They're they're developing their relationship, and that that's getting a little bit more solid as well. So – I I hope he doesn't hang it up. I hope it's a, I hope it's a fun transition and not one that's going to be tedious and, and kind of a, a hard transition for some of these older drivers. Uh, as much as I like some of the newer drivers that are coming up, I want to see some of these guys hang around, uh, Martin Drex Jr., Kevin Harvick, and some of these guys. Uh, I'm not ready to see them go yet.
3: Well, we we always go through that of especially if you're a fan of, and I believe you are a fan of Martin Truex's, uh for <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, you know you you go through that when they reach that point. Uh, and I I'm glad I pulled the the our group thing back up because I would have give credit to Mike for this, but it was actually Andy that made uh, put up a laughing face with it. But got to make room for Ty Gibbs anyway. Uh, there's some truth to that, you know. We've seen it mm-hmm. with Matt Kenseth. We've seen it with Eric Jones and, and Christopher Bell. You know, mm-hmm. we kind of felt like maybe, maybe, you know, he never stated it, but maybe Carl Edwards saw what was coming and decided to walk away on his own before he got pushed out. And then Matt Kenseth is the one that really got pushed out. So maybe Truex is seeing that. You know, we've talked about the the room at the at the top level starting with Joe Gibbs for Toyota drivers. you got Harrison Burton uh, that is going to come up sooner rather than later. Uh, Mm John Hunter Nemechek now with Toyota. And, yes, they are expanding. If uh, uh, 2311 is able to get a second team, uh, gives a little bit more breathing room, if you will, or other options. But – uh, we've seen it in the past, and nobody's exempt from it, because Kansas was, a, was another true champion that I don't think was, uh, as a driver, necessarily ready to go out or needed to go out.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, sad that we have seen that happen in- it's not really a precedent unfortunately uh, that we've seen uh, that happen where drivers uh, leave kind of unexpectedly to bring in a new driver that uh, is representative of the future of uh, their organization and uh, it didn't work out too bad for Hendrick Motorsports I think they have successfully made that transition uh, you know with the older drivers bringing in the new drivers so We'll have to see uh, what happens and what this next-gen brings. Uh, as they say, time tells the rest of the story, Jeff.
3: Yeah, I, I'm with you, though, and, and he is not my top favorite driver, but uh, certainly one that has been a great representative in the sport as a champion, as a mm-hmm. driver, with what he does with uh, his girlfriend, Sherry Pollux and her her cancer battle and the things they do. Uh, so it would be, again, a, a huge loss for the sport, but it is a natural evolution. And, and we've seen that of, of drivers not being around as long as we have. When you go back to the Richard Petty, David Pearson, uh, and those drivers, you know, we've seen that drivers now mid-40s. 45 is kind of the target frame, if not even right at age 40.
2: hmm
0: Okay, another topic here that I wanted to hit on. Uh, no more pro invitational series races. Uh, so, what are your thoughts about that uh, news that came out?
3: You're not going to continue with uh, with uh, Mike's post there of of what it was.
0: <laughs> I'm going to let you do it.
3: <laughs> All right, uh, go good. I always get to play Mike now. Uh, good riddance. <laughs> they had develop They had developed. Or delved Deval. into a bad repetitive joke of haha, ha, I can't computer. Uh and Andy Lasky also put in they were fun last year but I agree they lost their appeal to me this year. And anybody that's listened over this, uh the the whole thing I was never a fan of to begin with, so I had no appeal to me. And I don't think it was uh it was another thing that these drivers committed to again they're doing their 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 job as a representative of the sport so they were uh committed to it but I don't think they were getting as much out of it as what they they did with it last year so for a one time deal you know maybe again they do it in a couple years or something on a semi regular semi annual I don't think that's the right word um every couple of years <laughs> of have a few races and do it but to do it every year you're putting too much on these drivers already they have sponsor commitments uh you know they're doing their own i-racing um for testing in the simulator so yeah i think it might it might have been getting a little too much on them if they so choose to do it in the uh regular i-racing Okay, that's fine, but to have it as, I don't want to say it was mandatory because I don't believe it was mandatory, but like I said, they all know that they do have a commitment to the sport. If the sport is doing this, they're going to participate. Um, So feel like it's mandatory. In the military, we called it highly encouraged, which meant you don't show up, we're going to hold it against you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, You know, racing. I, I kind of agree with Andy. I kind of got into it a little bit last year. I can't say that I watched every race. Um, but I'll tell you, it's one of the reasons why uh, we have not been able to get guests because a lot of these, tough, you know, a lot of the drivers are so involved with the racing that they're either practicing on Mondays or they're racing on Mondays and Tuesdays. And it's really tough to find people that are available for us uh, to be on the show. So I'm a, a little, uh, I, I know they're not going to discontinue the eye racing altogether, but uh, that Pro Invitational took a lot of the drivers uh, that we usually talk to about uh, um, being on the show, and it, it's taken their time away uh, from being available for us. So. Uh, and that's not just that. that's that's a lot of the different uh, podcasts that are out there. So uh, uh, the pro-invitational, the only thing that that kind of tells me, and I was looking for the article on it, and for some reason I can't put my fingers on it right now, but it tells me that, uh, uh, that maybe they didn't get the turnout that they thought they were going to get uh, from that pro-invitational series. And with all those uh, NASCAR, you know, all of the uh, bigger names being in, in it uh, didn't make a difference in, in people tuning in to watch it. So that's kind of... Uh,
3: well, and, and I don't know if they, the, the Twitter uh, um, link that, that was there that got brought up was from Adam Stern, and it said that they are discontinuing the iRacing Pro Invitational Series for the rest of 2021, though it could return for future in the future for special oh. events. And it says, okay. as the U.S. emerged from the pandemic this year, viewer viewership and industry interest in it have waned. So, and, and that was kind of my my statement on it. Again, whether it interested me or not, it definitely did fill the gap during the pandemic. I would not deny that. Again, whether it filled mine or not, I know there were some that that is what they turned to. And it does have mm-hmm. some value, it just did not interest me. But obviously that has now waned with the returned of on-track action. Um, so I think, I think uh, you know, in, in the case of it says, you know, it could return in the future for special events. That is one of those that, you know, once a year or twice a year, if it were to be, I would be more apt to tune in on those one or two times versus a weekly uh, another series, you know. So yeah. I think that is a good direction to go with it. But, like I said, my interest wasn't real high in it to begin with. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, it it was also mentioned here, I finally found the article, um, that uh, the 10-race schedule, it was originally planned to be a 10-race schedule this season, evenly divided between Fox and NBC. Fox covered the first five races, but the remainder of the schedule has not been announced. So, uh, again, that's probably because uh, they're not getting the interest that they were getting last year uh, during the pandemic. So I I think uh, Andy's sentiment probably is pretty much what's happened across the board. It filled that gap for people last year uh, during the pandemic when racing was not actually happening. Uh, But now that uh, everything's kind of returning back to – uh, a normal, uh, it's not filling that void anymore.
3: Well, and, and I do think, like I said, some of it comes to the drivers and their time and availability. They don't have that anymore because they're back on the road and, and doing things for their for their Cup team or Xfinity team, whatever. Uh, being that they are back, the sponsor commitments, uh, as well as then just from the the fan base. And I find it kind of interesting as you read that. Of NBC having the ability To back out on the second half Uh, We already know that they're Talking about coming off of their NBC SN coverage going to A streaming um, That they really apparently didn't have faith In it Uh, That's I don't want to say shady But I guess if if you're the second half And you know the first half didn't work you call It off but uh, Mm
2: -hmm. The fact that
3: they were already looking kind of uh, Not saying backing out of, of NASCAR but appear to not have as strong an interest in it as what Fox does or did.
2: Mhm. Yeah,
0: well and part of the reason why I think that happened is because of the the viewership. The viewership probably wasn't as big as it was last year. And and you know, this is this is an example of NASCAR, you know, seeing that the there was strong viewership last year, so they they make a decision to move forward with it. And then everything changes again and we're back to a normal and everybody's back into, you know, being more involved with the actual racing that's going on on the track. Uh, So, you know, it's just, I I think it's one of those circumstantial things that happens and, uh, you know, they make decisions based on where they are at that point in time. But when things change, Every every it changes everything. It changes the results and everything. So, um, sad but but true, I think.
3: Well, and and I I got two sides to it, and I'll, I'll play both sides uh, myself. One was during the pandemic, people were forced to be inside and looking for things to watch on TV, or or be involved in from from the home. But also, then you you've heard me say this before of trying to. Please, and I I say a race fan, NASCAR fan, but it's anybody of they say they want something once they get it, do they really want to commit to it and how long term, whether it be night racing, road courses, street course, you know, uh, of that, that it's tough to predict, like you said, uh, of what what the fan base is going to want next or how long it'll hold their interest. You know, Uh like I said, I think, I think back to, you know, they wanted, everybody wanted night races. Then once we had six, seven, then they're like, Oh, we don't like night races no more. We want back to day races. You know, you just can't (laughs) keep up. And that's why you can't make, as Mike said, likes to call it the knee jerk reaction to try, Uh you know, with something like that. It's not, I don't want to say it's a huge cost, but for some of the teams, if there are people that did have invested in Uh then a simulator or their own iRacing rig, um, yeah, it's, it's it's one of those, uh, you know, maybe the fad went away a little quicker than we thought it would or they didn't realize that it was just an absolute need at the time and wasn't going to stay long-term once we were able to return to semi-normalcy as we we're able to get back out into the world.
0: Okay. We're well, coming up to that time of the show here, coming up on 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, which is when we will go off the air But we do continue recording the rest of our conversation. So for new listeners tuning in, uh, you're going to hear us go out the air and we're still going to be continuing our conversation. Uh, Just know that I will go out on Twitter as soon as um, uh, we finish up the show here and then you'll be able to go to the player that's either at blogtalkradio or at com and fast-forward the player to the two-hour mark in order to hear the rest of the conversation. So, uh, again, it will be on that podcast, and I'll let you know when that podcast is available. So um I I do have one other subject here that I wanted us to get into, and that's uh last week uh, – uh, they had talked to Jeremy Boland and they talked about the Keslowski to allow spe- speculation. All the talk about Brad Keslowski and his future, this is the first time you've had a chance to address this as a leader of a team and organization through the rumors. Uh, what's that like for you, and how have you tried to keep everyone together? Uh, it's got to be challenging, uh, because this is probably the worst-kept secret. Uh, that's ever been out there, uh, and but I wanted to read his comments and get your thoughts about it, Jay, uh, because he said, I think the biggest thing for me, honestly, and transparency about the situation, letting the guys know what I know, having Brad let them know what he knows, let everybody try to be kept on the same page and understand what the situation is, We are all professionals and our team is handling this very professionally. We know that no matter what happens beyond 2021, that we will have a great opportunity with Brad to win races and put ourselves back into the Final Four at Phoenix. We'll deal with 2022 then or in the off season. For us, the main thing is that the timing was unfortunate because we had a few weeks with issues and things going wrong and penalties at a time when all these rumors were going around. It starts to give the outside appearance. I hope last weekend proved a point that we are here to contend for wins and a championship. We had a great weekend at Pocono. We feel like uh, we've got our legs back under us a little bit, and we're ready to go through the summer. So, according to what he's saying here, or what I get out of it, Jay, is that there was a lot of uh, moving pieces going on when these rumors started to pop out there. And uh, they're just not ready to deal with it yet. They want to stay focused on the 2021 season. And it sounds like we're really not going to hear a lot more about it until 2022. Uh, But a lot of people are speculating that it's going to be Austin Cindric now going to the two versus the 21 so what are your thoughts
3: well starting with what he said of the transparency I, I mean that's one of those you know especially a driver crew chief uh, like he said to know what everybody knows which to hear about it and, and hear a lot of talk about it from outside the organization that really should come from the organization first even if it mm-hmm. is then to say, hey, you can't talk about it, we're not ready to announce it, okay, and I know the more that know that, then eventually it does get leaked, and I don't remember how this originally, the first one that, that came about with it, but uh, that that makes a huge difference within an organization. If you're hearing it from your management from the top down versus from an mm-hmm. outside source and you're having to ask questions, hey, is this true? Because even if it is, even if right now they were to say, hey, Brad Keselowski is leaving next year, then what's your goal? Send him out with a bang, you know, type deal. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, maybe maybe if you know he's not leaving, okay, you're planning for not only the rest of this year, but then next year or looking at different things for next year, you know that that's not the case, but you still have that knowledge and say, okay, hey, this is this, our last hurrah together. Let's do it right. Okay. So I agree with him on that. That that transparency uh, from within the organization needs to be there, and, you know. And I mentioned this when it still hasn't officially been announced, but Roush Fenway is telling their partners, "Hey, Brad's coming. Yeah. It's a done deal." That, you know, why is leaked. Penske not? That's how the leak got out because Roush was telling their
0: partners.
3: Well, and again, it, we we had already heard it. For, again, not a hundred percent confirmed, but ninety nine point five of you know it was a done deal, pretty much from the beginning. Um, once once the news broke that he had even been offered it, so that's where, like I said, when Roush was able to tell or decided to tell their partners, but were saying, hey, we're leaving uh, out of respect, uh, leaving it to Penske to make the announcement. Why are we not? And I know there's still some questions in of maybe it has to do with what they're working out between Austin, Sendrick, Matt, Benedetto, and all that. But you obviously can at least make the announcement that Brad is leaving so that that team knows mm-hmm. it 100% for sure from their leadership.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, yeah. when we get – oh, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. I, I want you to finish.
3: Okay, uh, the other half of the you know, the the wither, Sindrick now goes in the two versus the the 21. Um, that one's kind of an uh, iffy deal for me. I think uh, if the number two is your flagship car, which, depending on how you look at it, Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney, I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but uh, Matt Benedetto, I feel, has earned the right, and we don't know for sure if he's even now going to stay with the team or not. But the original deal was for Austin Sindrick to go to the Wood Brothers in the 21. I think his performance in the starts he has had has maybe influenced that. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, I think that I think that Matt DiBenedetto has earned the right to be in the primary organization. You know, when we talk about the tie, the three cars, the two, the 22, and the 12, um, to be one of those three drivers if he's staying within Team Penske. However, on the flip side of that, he may want to stay with the 21 of the Wood Brothers. We've seen it in the past couple of weeks with the crew chief change or whatever, that they seem to be getting back on track. And I mentioned this earlier with the team, the stability. So if you have another driver coming in, Brad, if he leaves, Cedric fills in at the two, Matt gets to stay with the 21 and continue building where he's at is not necessarily a bad thing either. So, uh, I do think that is part of where the holdup with with what Penske wants to announce is, but I do feel they could at least say, "Hey, Brad's leaving." <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and you, if they're maybe they have told their organization, but they've not made an external uh, announcement. But you're right. Since everybody knows, why not just go ahead and make that part of the announcement uh, with, you know, more details to come uh, at the end of the season, something to that effect. Uh, That makes sense to me that they could do that. Why they're holding off, I don't really know, other than uh, maybe they're worried about how the employees are going to respond to the news. But again, if they're being transparent within the organization, it seems like everybody there knows already anyway.
3: I, th- I think everybody that is involved in racing or NASCAR in any way, shape, or form is already aware of it. So, yeah, that, you know, if, if you say, okay, Brad will not be with the team, we're not ready to announce who's going to be in the number two, who's going to be in the number 21, how that's going to go. Okay, set, set that parameter. Hey, we're not ready to talk about that. But to to not well, announce huh? something that other teams are already announcing anyway to me, it looks kind of bad on Penske as an organization. I, I feel a little bit.
0: Yeah. I, I got to wonder, too, how Rosh Fenway is dealing with the whole, um, you know, I, they, they, they've got some decisions that are kind of out there, too. Uh, they haven't said whether Ryan Newman is staying or whether they're, uh, you know, Brad's going to drive the number six car. Is he going to drive a different car? are uh, They bring in the nine. Well, they can't bring the ninety-nine, I guess that. But um, you know, they, they haven't really said exactly, you know, what's going to happen with Ryan Newman and all of this is what I'm saying. So there's, it just leaves it rampant for speculation. So, uh, and we talk all the time about how the dominoes have to fall. Sometimes, maybe, maybe that's what this has to do with is all of these other dominoes that have to fall once that announcement is made. So, again, we just have to wait it out, I guess, according to what he's saying here. It doesn't look like they're even going to consider making any decisions until uh, this season is over.
3: Yeah, I I like I said I truly don't understand that and maybe there is some piece you know Mike mentioned it that we don't know it, it could be in a contract somewhere that this announcement can't be made until a certain time. We don't know that and that's why we we don't understand but uh it just it, it really doesn't make sense to me uh the fact that like I said <laughs> one team is announcing to their partners um right and it, we don't we don't know I did the only thing I've seen from Ryan Newman was he said he didn't know of anything for next year. he hadn't been told you know he's running this season. maybe they are in addition to bringing Brad in of more sponsors that maybe they are looking to try and make a third team or uh we've seen it in the past of um thinking back to Mark Martin where he was able to run a partial schedule, you know that mm-hmm. if Roush isn't able to go full up with the third team that maybe they are in addition to that, trying to work something for Ryan Newman, because we've heard about Kurt Busch and him talking to other teams. Ryan Newman's name really hasn't from his aspect of, hey, he's looked at this team or that. So, again, maybe they are saying, hey, Ryan, we do want to try and keep you around. We're working on it, uh, and that's why he hasn't expressed that. But also you want to give a give a driver the opportunity, uh, you know, and we've talked about this with Matt DiBenedetto of, the sooner you know the sooner you can start working on some other things to try and set your your next year up or your next uh, your future uh I would think they would want to respect Ryan from that aspect um and allow him that time and opportunity to get his name out there before all the the seats are filled
0: yeah that that's a very good point as well, so we're gonna again, it's one of those situations think we're going to hear much more about it until this season is over.
3: Yeah, there there again, I I find it so hard to believe they would go all the way to the end of the season, but uh, they obviously have a reason for doing what they're doing. We just don't know what it is or understand
0: it. Exactly. And and that is the truth. The rest of us don't understand it uh, because we don't have that bigger picture in front of us. Uh, we just have to trust that they're doing the right thing for the situation, and uh, you know, kind of wait it out. But it makes you wonder you, why to let it leak like that. But maybe it was out of it, that was out of their control too, probably.
3: You know, and thinking about it, being that Brad had signed a one-year contract that. If, if if just thinking of that possibility, if somewhere in that contract was he couldn't officially sign with until the end of that, I, I don't understand why that would be the case or whatever. And you know, because Brad has just said that I'll tell you what I can when I can, which to me puts it puts it on for some reason he is not able to officially announce it uh, himself or anybody is that somehow that has to be tied to the, to the contract, uh, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's possible that, that the team has an option. Can can keep him? I don't know. I, I really, like I said, I'm trying to come up with even some possibilities, uh, <laughs> of why or what could be written in the contract that way. We do know he did only sign a one year contract. Um, right. But that, 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 that kind of clause doesn't make sense to me. Because, again, that's restricting you as a driver from then pursuing or, I guess, in this case, announcing. He's pursued it and signed it. He just can't say it.
0: (laughs) Exactly right. Um, So there's got to be something. Maybe in time we'll find out what that something is. uh, And we'll just have to... uh, You know, like so many things, we just have to wait it out. How is it you guys put it? We've got a lot of butts in the air.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Eventually that music's going to stop and they're going to start sitting down, right, if we're playing musical chairs.
0: (laughs) Exactly right. Exactly right. Okay, Jay, did you have anything else that you wanted to make sure we talk about tonight?
3: Uh, Not as far as hot topics. I will run through our, our points here if you'd like.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. No fantasy Let's points. Do
3: that. All right. Let's For go. the truck series, uh, they were off this weekend. That one still stays point by point. Andy's at 54, Sharon at 53, I'm at 52, Mike at 48, Tommy 46, Owen 40, Sam 35, and James 32. That's the Xfinity and tight. the Cup. Yeah, the Xfinity and the Cup got shuffled up a little bit, and i got to slide over now because I... All right, the Xfinity Series, we now have a tie at the top at 67, Andy and Mike. Sam has jumped right up in there at 65. I'm at 62. James is at 60. Uh, Owen at 54. Sharon's up to 53, and Tommy at 46. So, again, only 22 points top to bottom. And on the Cup Series, my m- big margin of six points is gone. Mike is now the <laughs> points leader at 103. Sam is at 102, and I dropped a third at 101. Owen's at hmm. 90, Sharon at 86, James at 80, Tommy at 77. And Andy picked up some points with Chase Briscoe, so he's up to 43. Mm-hmm.
2: Briscoe hey, had, had a good, good
3: weekend there. And and I thought I did the overall. Nope, I'm going to have to pull that. Give me one second. I got to pull that up from the site. I didn't uh, screenshot oh, okay. that.
0: You know, uh, I had the race winner this week in the Xfinity Series, and I'm still way back in the Xfinity Series.
3: Well, that's oh. what I said. I mean, you closed it up. The the, uh, the the top to bottom gap got tighter as well as the in-between.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh hmm
0: Yeah. Every week I keep hoping my driver does good. Cal Bush
3: came through for me, so Well, and you I know in the cup side cup side you've been sticking with Truex kinda of like uh, my uh Andy's been sticking been. with Briscoe, and I know that's why you have that <laughs> hit or miss.
0: <laughs> yep, exactly right.
3: All right. On the overall, Mike has a three point advantage. He's got two eighteen, I'm at two fifteen. Sam is the one that's been creeping up on us. He's at two oh two. And Sharon moved up again, one ninety two. Uh, Owen 184, James 172, Tommy 169, and Andy 164. So that's only a 54-point uh, top to bottom, and that's for all three series. We're getting ready to head into the playoffs, starting with the truck series here shortly. So uh see some big changes there, depending on how things play out in the truck
2: series.
0: Yeah, there's only two more races for the truck series. I think they have one race in in uh, July another race in August and that's going to end up that's going to end their series uh, season uh, and then they're going to go into their playoffs so uh, <laughs> you know and one of those races is at Knoxville this weekend and I still think that Knoxville race is going to shake things up
2: yeah,
3: it certainly could uh, all the way across the board you're right that's a wild card and then- I got that one up. I'll, I'll get the uh, list up. I was looking at that. Okay. The Cup Series is the only one I don't have ready. As soon as we get off the show, I will be doing that of getting our picks in for
0: this week. Okay. Sounds good. All three Series Racing this week, uh, we've got uh, the Truck Series as well as the Xfinity. Well, Truck Series will be at Knoxville in Iowa then you've got uh, Atlanta for the Xfinity and the Cup Series. But then we also have the ARCA and the ARCA East. I'm sorry, the ARCA and the ARCA Showdown, uh, the Chief Showdown. Uh, those competitions are at Elko Speedway this weekend. So uh, a lot for us to talk about on Thursday night. I
3: was going to say, sounds like we got a pretty full plate there come Thursday for our preview show. You're right.
0: Yeah, and if we get uh, Jesse, if Jesse's uh, able to be on with us on Thursday night, uh, that's probably going to move Hot Topics to the 10 o'clock time frame, just as a heads up. All right. yep. A lot of All that's right. going to be dependent on Jesse. <laughs>
3: Well, you know us, we're always pretty flexible and uh, we do what we can to help support the uh, the whole program, so we'll make it work.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Okay. So with that, I guess we're ready. Uh, we're, what track are you going to be at this weekend, Jay?
2: Oh, we have a straight table today the,
0: instead of a round table.
2: <laughs> <what>? <laughs> okay.
3: Okay. Um, now I've got to think. Uh, oh, uh, might get to spend Friday night at home just to go out and watch a race. I don't get to do that a whole lot. Uh, baddest bullring in the south, the uh, Columbus Speedway, supposed to run Friday night, weather permitting. And then uh, Saturday I would be back to Jackson Motor Speedway, your capital city raceway. They are having a Hot Shots, which is a four-cylinder class, uh $1,000 to win race, so uh, we are expecting hot shots from five or six different surrounding states to be there uh, as our big event for the weekend and then weekly racing with them. So that'll be my weekend, uh, again, weather permitting. <laughs>
0: Okay, well fortunately I will not be on the road this weekend myself. Uh, so I'm gonna be able to sit down and, uh, relax and enjoy the races, uh, this weekend. I'm, I'm gonna also try to get in the SRX race, uh, because as I mentioned earlier, I've not had a chance, uh, to watch any of those yet. So I really wanna watch that SRX, uh, race at Slinger. Uh, and then all the other races that we just talked about. Uh, IndyCar is also racing this weekend, by the way. They're going to be at Toronto this weekend. So for those people who kind of enjoy watching some of the other series, uh, those are the ones that I know about that are all racing this weekend, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, I'm Damp site on Twitter, Damp Racing blog and radio everywhere else uh we do have um uh Sam's recap up from the uh, NASCAR weekend at uh, Road America. Oh, I wanted to get your thoughts about that uh, real quick. Uh your thoughts about uh, racing at Road America instead of Daytona over the July 4th weekend. And then also well, about Daytona being the last race in the playoff before the playoffs
3: that we, we've yet to see that I, I, I really did when they made that announcement that Daytona would be the cutoff race, I think was, it was a huge move. And I think the 4th of July weekend that Road America turned out really well. Uh, again, it's one of those that we have to watch and see if that uh, maintains long term. Uh, you know, this being the first one where the cup series have been there and uh, I know from what we've seen from the Xfinity Series, and if you will, the Xfinity Series was maybe a little more exciting, but I think the Cup Series put on a great show, and I think as they get more track time, uh, you know, we saw it with uh, just one point during the race uh, of Kyle Larson uh, wanted to see what he could do, and he found out what he couldn't do (laughs) in the the particular corner, Uh, learned real quick of how deep he could go into turn five, Um, didn't Didn't go all the way off the track, uh, but learned his lesson, and it cost him a little bit on his car, I think. Uh, But he definitely Mm -hmm. learned from it. And I know they talked about that. uh, Chase Elliott said, uh, and I don't remember where he started. I know there were some issues with qualifying uh, that happened. But uh, really said he didn't find his rhythm even during practice. And I know that's a counterpoint to of not having practice, somebody like Chase Elliott doing it on the fly, throughout the race and coming out successful. Uh, same with Kyle mm-hmm. Busch. He was having a rough weekend, but he kept at it. Uh, I don't remember how many times they said he had been off track in the same corner, actually, between the Cup Series and the Xfinity. So I think that is one that will develop into a really great race. Uh, and I do think that that long-term, that, that is a great 4th of July spot uh, for Road America. And I think that the, the Daytona, as the the cutoff race really does add a, a last ditch, you know, it's the last race win or not Daytona's already a, anybody can win if they're, if they're still running at the end. So I I think overall I'd view it as a good thing. Like I said, we'll have to see how Daytona comes out, but I projected that when they first announced that as the cutoff race, that that was kind of a good move. Um, and, and road America definitely filled in as your 4th of July weekend.
0: I totally agree with you. Uh but your comment about uh, Daytona, if they're still running at the end, is a, kind of a key phrase for that particular track. And especially <laughs> with it being a uh especially with it being a, a cutoff race uh for the regular season leading up to the uh uh playoffs. So I uh am looking forward to it. Uh I'll be curious did they already announce that they're going to do the same thing next year with Daytona as that cutoff race? I'm, I'm thinking
3: I right be, I, be, I believe so that they said that would be at least a three-year deal, I want to say maybe, but um, I know because originally they had, uh, had tracks on the five-year plan. I know we've seen a little bit more fluidi- fluidity. I, I don't know if I just made up a word. I'd have to check with Mike on that, but. <laughs> Uh, the schedule being a little bit more fluid than it has been in years past, um but I think at least for two or three years they 'll give it that shot, and I think they will be pleasantly surprised and get what they wanted out of it of i don 't know how you can say you can add intensity to Daytona a anybody can win race already and throw in that curveball of some guys have <laughs> to win uh you know yeah um so.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, looking forward to the show on Thursday night uh, with you as we preview the upcoming weekend of racing. And uh, definitely uh, thankful that you were available for tonight. Uh, I think we had a, a pretty long hot topic here tonight, but enjoyable. And uh, we missed our, our uh the rest of our fan racing crew, but I know Tommy's already said he's available on Thursday, Uh, so hopefully Andy will be able to come on as well.
3: Good deal, good deal. Looking forward to it.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, uh, uh, also, a big shout-out to our listeners. We always do appreciate everybody taking the time out to tune in and hear what we have to say. I apologize for the beginning of the show. My puppy, once again uh wants to be a part of everything I guess. Uh and it kind of sidetracked me there at the beginning of the show. But we got that straightened out and we'll we'll move forward from there. So, Jay, thanks again. And uh everybody uh look for us there uh, on Thursday night. We'll be back.
3: All right, I'll talk to you Thursday. Good night.
0: Okay, good night everybody.